Alright, welcome to another episode of This Guy Edits. I'm Sven and I'm with Tyler. Tyler, how's it going? Great, how are you doing? Doing good, man. It's a Sunday morning. It's uh, got some sleep in. I'm ready to rock. So what are we doing today? Oh, it's my turn. So what we're doing today is uh, Revenge, which is a request from a listener. And that listener happens to be Dennis. So Dennis is kind of like our... Yay go-to guy for the podcast we always talk about dennis but uh, he's he's so nice to do all the bonus videos and he sent me a tweet and said hey check out revenge that's a cool movie i've heard about it i've never seen it and i saw a scene was immediately intrigued watched the film and that's what we're doing today i saw it in theaters i really enjoyed it i saw it i think in the fall uh whenever it was playing after it played toronto and sundance and when it had its limited theatrical run yeah it's a really amazing visual experience it doesn't rely on a lot of dialogue it has about 14 minutes of dialogue i think through the whole film and it's very 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 simple construct and yet through the visuals and the construction of the action the director does an incredibly incredibly good job of creating this really really immersive cinematic experience Yes, no, it reminded me of some of the old-time films and filmmakers like Duel by Spielberg, actually Terminator 2, I felt like it, it had a vein of that, and certainly also some of the John Carpenter. So I was really, really intrigued when I actually watched it. There are some, some issues I have with the film, but none of them are related to the actual craft or the editing, and I love the cinematography in this film. Yeah, and I think it has makes a really interesting choice to embrace the fact it's a movie and dismiss reality at some point. Mm -hmm. And by embracing that, I think it opened the film up to make it a really cool experience. It's always funny with movies when people are complain about the reality of it or the realism, even though that's the same thing. Because it's a movie. At the end of the day, you know that it's not real and happening, so it's funny when films a lot of films get away with embracing that and some get really ridiculed for it and the really funny thing with this one doing a quick little sweep for information about it because there's not a lot out about this director <laughs> imdb just has a list of continuity errors in the movie so some maniac and not continuity errors that affect the story or anything like that so some maniac just went through the film making note of things like the headphones are in a different place in this scene where she's listening on the bed from one shot to the next. Hmm. And it just makes you wonder as a filmmaker, because I know you have a lot of thoughts about this, Fen. I mean, what? obviously that's not the goal, but it's just an interesting thing to think people are viewing it from that experience. Like, what would make you happy if we <laughs> just made like this perfectly continuous thing of someone just making themselves breakfast? Would that be it? But then would we also remove any other drama or time jumps or compression of action to make things interesting as well? Is that the way things are headed? Just single selfie shots that go on for seven minutes of people eating breakfast. I wonder if, as an editor, you kind of need to be blind to continuity to a certain degree. At least I feel like I'm blind to most of those stuff. Like if somebody would point out to me in my own film, oh, the headphone is on the left and it's on the right, usually I never pay attention to this, even if I've cut the scene 50 times. I just... Uh, I've, I feel like... For the mo for most people, they're just paying attention to movement and emotion, mostly emotion. 
But I'm, I certainly recognize that some people, it really bugs them when there's a continuity problem. They see it and it throws them out of the film. But like well, watching this it, film, it, I've, I couldn't tell you a single, single problem with continuity. Because there's, you're distracted with far, 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 far more stuff. And I think just in terms of the amount of makeup and stuff like that going on with her, in terms of the descent of her being bloodied and stuff, of course there's going to be some noticeable continuity errors or, or ways that the guns affect the cars that are being shot at and stuff like that. But you should be so absorbed in what's going on. One interesting error was the idea that the corpse that they find in the lake is bloated as if it's been in there for three weeks. But it just kind of helps prove my my point, which is this movie isn't really... They're not making a movie. They're not making a horror movie. They're making a nightmare. Yep. So that's what the movie is to me. And I think all of this reflects that and the egregious leaps of reality and stuff like that. Yep. So maybe for people that haven't seen the film yet, we should talk a little bit about the story. Um, I'm going to set it up. Revenge is a 2017 French and revenge action horror film. It follows a young woman which is assaulted and left for dead in the desert. It screened originally at the Midnight Madness section of the Toronto Film Festival. It also was at the Sundance Film Festival 2018 at the Midnight program. And this director is an incredibly talented female filmmaker, which is very important and the best I can tell is she, this is her, this independent feature that was very hard to finance in France, and she got it made, and prior to that she'd done some impressive shorts, and essentially started her career working as an AD in France on American films being shot there, and at some point worked for David Fincher's, as a director for David Fincher's commercial company, but I, I'm unclear of whether that was looking at the commercials before or after uh, the success of Revenge, because, you know, there's like huge Nike commercials and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a really f- powerful first film. I mean, it definitely rem- reminded me of, of filmmakers like Spielberg and Cameron and Carpenter, as I mentioned, and I think she has she has a lot of potential. What I loved most about the film was just that it was almost pure cinema. Really, the story was told visually more than anything else and sound. Yeah, and Cronenberg as well. Yes. Well, shall we take a look at the scene? All right. So what we do usually is we uh, include a link of the actual video of that scene that is available on YouTube. Someone put it there. And we're going to start it up here. You have the option to watch it with us um, at the same time, or you can watch it beforehand and, or not watch it at all. We'll just describe what's going on in the first pass, and then we'll dig a little deeper and look at uh, the filmmaking, the editing, all that good stuff. So that I think there's a lot that can be gleaned from this scene, especially when it comes to the sound. And one thing I'll point out about the sound, one of the continuity errors allegedly with the sound, is that this Land Rover is a diesel, Okay. but all the sound effects are for a gas engine. Oh, interesting. See, I would not know. The one thing that I would say about the sound is really pay attention to when we hear what and what shots in terms of like the distance where we are, which I thought was very well crafted. And here we go in three, two. So we're on a pretty tight shot of her um, shooting, uh, aiming a rifle. And she's about to shoot her, uh, one of the persons that assaulted her and from the kickback she actually falls to the ground and um, now we can hear 
already like a ringing sound as she gets back up and tries to shoot him again. I also love that the guy was like screaming bloody murder. It sounded really, really realistic when she hit him, but she didn't quite kill him. So she gets back up. She looks at the car, which is far in the distance, and he disappeared. So now she's like trying to figure out where did he go. She's approaching the car. Lots of moving shots of her. I feel, I love how frantic it feels. Like she, she's like trying to keep it together. And she is approaching and that's the that's in the ellipses as well, compressing that action of her transversing that distance. Right, right. So she's reached the car. She looked around. The guy is not there. She sees blood on the ground. So she's like, okay, I'm just going to follow that guy. He must have, like, disappeared around a bend. We're, like, on this hillside. And I love this shot here where we pan up. It's like we're seeing her from the distance. We pan up to the guy who's hiding up top um, in the mountains. And he's starting to load his rifle. And now he gets his turn for a shot. Back to her, camera's walking ahead of her. I really love her performance throughout this film. Like you can really feel the intensity of what she's going through. Guys behind her in the distance, he's barely able to lift the rifle because he was shot in the shoulder. And he gets a shot up, goes to blank, listen to the sound. And we can see an insert of her ear that was pierced and blown off so what's nice for the rest of the scene we're kind of in her head now we're hearing this this siren like tone as she's like trying to get away she gets on her feet starts running the guy comes after her shoots her several times and everything is muffled and he's chasing her camera from behind on her very shaky she uh, breaks a uh, flashlight glasses on the ground the guy runs and he steps over it and trips on the glass like one of the pieces was especially featured that like just stood up that he must have uh, tripped on or stepped on and that's part one of that scene. There's a second part to it where it gets really, really bloody, but we're not going to talk about it here. So that's the scene. Yeah, so Tyler, how, how do you feel about that? So uh, I think what we have is an important thing to look at is the power dynamics in that scene. So we start off immediately, she has the upper hand, and then we see once she pulls that trigger we instantaneously, the moment he gets shot, we think, okay, this is a victory, she's going to win. And a lot of that performance and a lot of way that's filmed is we're immediately, even though she has this big gun, we're realizing, oh, she's in an incredibly vulnerable position because now he has the upper hand again. So even in spite of her finally being armed and ready to fight, it's really cool how that scene, you're able to be put in her shoes as, as a person in a place of danger and travel with her, rooting for her, and see how the tables get turned to keep it exciting. Yes, which is kind of throughout the film, there's always this shift of power. So, yeah, that's that's very... I think that's very good to note that oftentimes the scenes that we've discussed so far, they start off with a character one way, and then they flip, and they leave the scene 
in another way. Like Mindhunter was the same thing. Like the main guy felt like he was in control at the beginning, Detective Holden, and it turns out he wasn't really, he had to really relinquish control. And it's very similar. And then at the end of the scene, it's they are even, which is interesting too, how she goes from having the upper hand to completely losing it to he has the upper hand, but he's a little wounded, so he can't quite pull up the shot. And it's a really fun way to kind of, you know, look at the dynamic between your main character and the the person opposing them and how you can give that person by making them sympathetic in a way by wounding him and having it be hard to lift the gun and stuff. There's just no matter what as a human, no matter, and this is an absolutely awful piece of shit person, a little, 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 little bit of you is feeling that pain for that character as he tries to do that. But it's also adding suspense because you're hoping, just hoping she'll turn around before she, before she finds out. Yep. So they have to really, really, really kind of mutilate these dudes to keep you vaguely, <laughs> vaguely engaged in watching this movie or else it'd be too much to bear. Yeah. A couple of things I want to point out. Visually, there's, I, I love when shots tell the story, when there's like a through line where what we learn, the piece of information is done through camera slash editing. So at the beginning, if we start with the first shot where we have we're on her, kind of a close-up with the rifle. Then we cut to, at two seconds, we cut to the barrel of the rifle. And then we cut to the, um, what is that called? The looking glass? What is that? The view Sight glass. Okay, there you go. And what we see through it is our uh, antagonist. Cut back to her, kind of her reaction closer to her and then really close on her finger as she wants to pull the trigger back to um i'm sorry what is it called the sight and then to the shot everything we're seeing here is really told through the right shots and the way that they edited and paced out that's for me is pure cinema nobody needs to say anything for us to understand what's going on i love that it's not done too much like you can't do that enough in films and many films don't do that at all it's just all talk and sometimes even in these sort of action scenes it's visually confusing you don't know what's going on right and then another thing that's cool that's kind of like a very subtle thing that goes with a bit of the mission i would think of this particular filmmaker is that this protagonist the female is able to tolerate pain to such a more incredible level than this guy is. You're talking about how he gets shot and he's just screaming. Yeah. <laughs> and then she gets shot later and she takes it. She knows her ear's been shot off, her earrings on the ground, and then when he steps on the glass again, it's this mutilated pig. So it's kind of like a fun hidden theme of the film yeah. through that stuff. Yeah. That's, it's a little bit something where I have an issue with this film. And I understand that this is sort of kind of a Tarantino, super bloody, it's not reality kind of storytelling. I still feel like sometimes I can't buy the reality at all. And some of that has to do with like the wounds that are inflicted on her and how well she recovers, especially like the the first Mm -hmm. one. Um, That is like, it just looks to me like it's unsurvivable and... Later on, yeah. it doesn't seem to be a problem at all for her. 
Right. And it may not have been survivable. You know what I mean? Yeah. There might be a whole other thing going on with this movie. I, I To me, the, the scene with the can being yeah. burned onto the wound was yeah. where the movie was telling you, making a very clear statement. And... From what you want to do with that, that's up to that's up to the viewer, I think. Yeah, but to yeah. me, that's what I pinpoint as, well, this is what this movie is, right? And <laughs> it's not a mistake. Well, they, I, <laughs> there's there's also a scene where she like lights up a tree, and <laughs> just like it's just one of, so right, far one from of the reality how a tree would be lit up. And one of the IMDb comments was for the can burning scene. Yeah. The only the comment was the the eagle that ends up on her skin isn't even mirrored. <laughs> but that was the only criticism of that whole of the reality of that whole thing. It's yeah. like wow, yeah. really getting into the minutia, missing someone performed like a life saving surgical operation with a <laughs> yeah. Can and and you look at the wound that was supposed to be cauterized there, and it's like almost gone. Right. <laughs> So th another thing I want to point out in these first three shots is listen to the sound, especially on the insert on her finger. And I love that how sound is really magnified. And it like we can hear the clicking, like the almost clicking of the trigger and makes it really, really impactful. So that would be... A yeah, and sound was a big aspect of the director's short films as well, um, using that. And it's funny how we see... You know, to beginning filmmakers, all of, especially through the 70s, and even still, the really great filmmakers that really stand out, whose stuff really pops. Obviously, the visuals are a huge, huge, huge part of this film. It's incredibly well done, but the directors that really understand sound, really understand visual, really understand editing, and take the time to actually learn those things are always the ones that are going to jump out a lot more. And you can look at the Coen brothers for that. You can look at look at the indie films of any director you really love, and you'll see how they how they started and how they were implementing that stuff. Yeah. It really Especially if they went through the indie world. You know, when they're when they start in studio films, they go up that route. That's a little bit of a different thing because you have people supporting you, but you can really see in indies how that can be prioritized and, and used. Yeah, it really puts us in the moment as the as the audience. So I'm just going to keep watching here, Indeed. see if I notice some stuff. Jump cuts at around 18 seconds, 16 to 18, as she's lying on the ground. This kind of stuff I love, where we're compressing time and we're like creating the energy of what's going on through the editing. I mean, it's also the camera, mm -hmm. I think, is just right on like the movement the shakiness all that stuff a shot like for example the shot at 35 seconds i believe it starts blurry and goes into focus that's that's a great editing choice where i feel like you you picked a moment in that in that camera shot where they were still finding the focus which could have been planned but also just happened and it really helps um, like we're focusing in on what she's looking at at 34, which is the car fr from across the hillside as the camera is finding the focus. I love that kind of editing. The balance of getting from point A to point B, yeah. because that's probably like a four minute walk and the way that it's accomplished, it gives you not only that suspense of, of actually feeling like it did take some time to get there. Yeah. But it doesn't feel like we're cheating in the editing at all or jumping us through it or yep. transitioning. It's true. And sometimes when you 
have films that are not as well executed, sometimes this stuff takes too long. Like we're really like having to wait through things and have to hold off on feeling things just so that people get from A to B or do their business. Yeah, and it really keeps us in that mood of, oh, she's the the victim now. And it would be very easy to just cut to, you know, like the car and her arriving and understand a little time has passed, but it really helps us get kind of scared with her, the, the way that they edited it together. Yeah, I also love, and this is something that uh, I think is really good editing, is that there is no there's no worry about trying to explain the layout of where things are but it's also still very very clear but we're not we're not trying to match certain movements of her or certain shots trying to connect them in a way as we were talking about that it makes sense continuity wise we're jumping all over the place but we have a really good sense of where we are at all times we're not confused as with some films like michael bay transformer films i feel like i'm always confused about where i am right now uh just location wise right <laughs> yeah that's chaotic. a good point that it, and it's it's very interesting because i talk about how james cameron always makes a really big point in his action scenes of doing basic things like respecting the line and stuff like that yeah and then michael bay and some of these other action filmmakers where it's like oh anything goes it really kind of detracts from it. And I feel like that's scenes like this and scenes like Terminator two. That's why the action scenes are so memorable because they are actually telling the story shot to shot yep. and making use of kind of the grammar of cinema. Like this is an incredibly memorable scene and a hugely scope scene. And all it is is someone walking up to a car with a gun and it's far more immersive than watching a dinosaur robot fight a truck robot. <laughs> Amazingly. Yeah. I want to point out something at 119. There's a, sort of a music cue that ramps up. More of a sound, really, than a music piece. And then we cut to a wider shot. First, there's this insert of the blood trail. And then at 122, we cut to a wider shot. And listen to what that what happens to the music cue. I I felt this is something that I haven't really noticed with other films and i i thought it was really really effective how the music seems to change on that cut like it's off in the distance at 119 the cut happens at yeah you're in the right spot just keep playing right it drops out kinda. It yeah it drops out but not completely but it makes us feel like yeah. the music is in her head because she's like, mm -hmm. it's the suspense of where is he? And then we cut to the wider shot, and it feels as if we're hearing that music like from a distance. And yeah, it almost feels like a mixing thing. Yeah, I thought that was a really, really interesting choice that worked. And I love this pan mm -hmm. up, still at 129, to him. And now we understand where he is, while she doesn't. So we have more information than the character has, which is suspense. That's classical Hitchcock right here. We know more yeah. than the character. And it's a huge switch in the power dynamics, too. That's where it, yeah. you know, she's slowly losing power from the minute she fires that bullet to here. It's like, oh, great. How, how do we get back here? And so kind of giving us that hope for a moment of, all right, she's got him now to yeah. ending up in this is just really good drama. And here's an interesting thing that I just noticed. So he's loading his gun at 142 and then see what the next cut is. 
after he's done loading. It's her turning her head up to the hillside where he is potentially. Right. And for a moment and you're like, did she hear that or did she not hear that? And then yeah, it feels like she probably, she probably did. didn't because she's not reacting to it otherwise. But it creates that moment of suspense. Like, what does she know? And I thought it's... Yeah, well, right. There's like a physical reaction yeah. that might not be processed. That's an interesting choice for the editor to just play with our expectation here a little bit because if she would know that he's uphill she would change right she would like duck for cover or yeah. would look up there and for that moment yeah, it's definitely that making option. it clear that yeah she definitely doesn't know which is good and also it's a good thing to cut on i think a, yeah. in action versus and then that shot just evolves at 153 she, we actually see behind her the guy standing in the far distance out of focus so it's another brilliant move, I think, in terms of the craft of making that yeah, all the way one he shot. appears. Yeah, it's that same thing of playing with the uh, the time and reality. The way that he just materializes. It's a instead of doing it in a realistic way by having him just suddenly appear. It kind of engages the audience again. Of oh wait, what's happening? Yeah, how Who did is he that? get is that down him? there? Could that be him? Yeah, and then you get to form an opinion about that about whether you want it to be him or not. You're hoping it isn't, and then we reveal it is. Yeah. It's like a in terms of go. the storytelling, w the story is slightly ahead of the audience, which is nice. It's like we're not waiting for things. We're being led in this moment. Yeah, and you want so badly for her to just successfully kill him when she shoots him. So that not working, again, that's, that's just great storytelling. For her to go from being in, at the top of the hill at the start of this to getting almost run over by a car at the end is pretty great. Yeah. And then on 204, he finally ends up shooting her. So she didn't know anything. She had no clue. I love how she, the blood splatters onto the lens at 206. Okay. And then it goes to darkness. Nice. It's like editing Which here really drives. It's like we're not afraid of making stylistic choices here. Yeah. And it again, having that dark immediately ups the suspense because, again, we're immediately wanting to know, well, what's going on? How far away is he? How much time has passed? What did that black mean? Yeah. So that, that really helps out a lot as well. Yeah. And then basically the rest, the, the next part of this segment here is all just that little siren noise or whatever you want to call that. And everything else is muffled. So we're really again inside her head mm -hmm. I hear some heartbeats jump cuts uh, like her reality so her that perception insert. is dropping out out of focus shot of the gun and again inserts are usually really effective when you're setting up an expectation that happens in the wider shot like you show that that tight shot coming into focus on that piece of glass we yeah. have no question what's happening when he stumbles in the other shot we fully imagine this going into his skin yeah and without having to see it and throughout this yeah. now we're cross-cutting between her running cameras behind her um handheld running as well and then cameras in front of him and we have no clue how far they are apart it feels like he's right. much closer than he really is and Which you're wondering, funny. like, how how does he not get killed or shot? 
But look at 248. Yeah, she's 248. He's not even there. So now we understand why he didn't didn't hit her because he's much further away than we felt. And then yet in, in eight, eight seconds later, he's stepping on the glass, and then yeah, she's nowhere to be seen she's in that shot when he does. But it also, in watching it, it felt very much like I was doing that math in my head and understanding that there was a great distance between them. And, you know, and I think the next thing that happens after this is a reaction of her and she is quite away. And it's a weird kind of way to play with timing and editing where it just, it works really well because I still have that sense of this huge amount of space between them and I'm okay with it. Yeah, yeah. And understand the action's been compressed and, and stuff like that. And that is a tough balance to find when you're cutting something like this. And that chase, like, I can't imagine how hard that was to figure out, like, well, what if we have one more reaction of her before he steps on the glass? Like, how long between the smash and him stepping it do we need? How tight can we make it to have it feel like it's been a long time? Mm-hmm. And those are the things with editing that's always uh, always a challenge to, to get perfect. And this whole scene, the space being traversed and the way that it feels like what really happens, but doesn't represent that at all in the actual diegetic time is pretty impressive yep so that's the scene but i feel like you could pick any scene in the film and you would find this sort of detail and this craftsmanship throughout the film it's just very well yeah very well shot very well directed performances are really great and the action is is great and we highly recommend it. And we also think it'd be a fun film to get a conversation going about as to your reactions as to what what the reality of this movie is. I'm not going to tip my hat with my opinion, but there's definitely some very stylistic choices made that free the movie up to give it this kind of visual sensibility. But at, at what cost? And did that kind of harm the film's performance and success? Yeah. And when I at first when I watched it, I, I thought... I could identify why maybe this film wasn't as like successful like I looked at some of the numbers and it didn't do really well in theaters but I th- I assume it it's doing really well in in streaming because I think it's a kind of film you kind of you want to be on your own to watch but surprisingly for me mm-hmm. actually the reviews of the film are super positive like it has a like yeah. close to 90% rating on Rotten Tomato Critics loved it, um, so it it critically was very well received, and I think it artistically it's it's very well done. Yeah, and I think that it's it's a tough thing one to have an indie period nowadays. Two, it is a tough thing to have an indie that challenges the audience, and I think because of that, maybe the movie didn't explode the way it could have. But the critical reviews are great because I guess the critics were able to you it's funny how people can get hung up on specific things and then not be able to appreciate all the great, great, great things about this movie and that those things they're hung up on are maybe what the filmmaker meant. And I'm sorry, maybe movies aren't real. And you should know that <laughs> with every movie that you go see. Yep. And you get to have a lot of fun with this because of that. Totally. Like, there's no way this movie's less realistic than any of Schwarzenegger's 80s movies. You know what I mean? So it's funny that this one gets held a little more accountable by people. Some of it's the movie's doing, but it's an interesting dynamic. Yeah. Well, sometimes it's just because it's a female director, then it gets a little bit more shit. That always happens. Yeah, it could well be. So we'll see in our comments. (laughs) So if you enjoy what you're hearing here, 
If you want people to know about movies like Revenge, tell them about the podcast. We've been growing steadily. We really appreciate it. Tell a friend. We appreciate it. Also, if you have a suggestion for a film, I think by now you realize, if you're a long-time listener, that we take these seriously. We've done four or five requests now, and I do enjoy looking at something that I haven't seen before and, and discovering new things. So, yeah, give it a shot. Send us a tweet or just go on to thisguyedits.com slash podcast and there you will find all the links of where you can listen to the podcast on your app, whatever you're using, or the bonus videos that come out where Dennis took the time and actually visualizes some of the things we're talking about. And there's also opportunity then to have a discussion about it. If not, it's also on Reddit, Reddit This Guy Edits. And there you have the opportunity to leave some comments as well. Yes. And as always, thank you to Curter for the music. New album coming soon. Curtermusic.com. Nice. Is this track going to be on there? Our, our music cue? Um, our opening no, cue. but there's some, I think there's some very like revenge level <laughs> tracks on what I heard. Oh, cool. cool. And, and as Sven, and as always, Sven said, always says, <laughs> happy editing. <laughs> Well, that'd be interesting to see when we like get straight into it whether this is better or not. We're still we're still figuring it out. <laughs>